Lord, we do want you to speak to us. We want to hear from you. Because your word is what we really want, what we really need. So we ask you to speak now from your word to us. And you ask that you'd help us to obey it. To hear it where we really need it and obey it. Amen. I'm Pastor Steve. Welcome to Bethel Christian Fellowship. I mean, just sung that song. Now I want to ask you a question. What do you want? Think about what do you really want or what do you really need? Let me give you a minute to think about that. Now, you knew before you came into church what you wanted, but you've been thinking about it all week, right? But now you got into church, you're like, well, what's the spiritual answer? Let's see. I think um, it's supposed to be like filling or Jesus. or what's the, I, I, I'm real practical here. What do you want? Sleep. Pastor Ben has been with the youth all weekend. He wants some sleep. Thinking about it? What do you, so this week I spent some time thinking about buying a house, looking at some, so I kind of want a house. Okay? Real practical. I could tell you exactly, well, you know, working on exactly what, and, and I want it to be cheaper than it could actually be, especially closer to here than it could actually be to be that cheap. What do you want? What do you need? We're continuing in Exodus. We are uh, talking about God's life lessons. Lessons from God for how to find life, how to find real life, and also lessons that God teaches us in life, in just daily life, in just looking for a house and trying to get, get by and doing our jobs, and what, what God teaches us in our lives, and sometimes in the lives of those around us in our community. And also, what God teaches us in Scripture, or what He's taught in the lives of those who are in Scripture, that we get to uh, watch their journey, and we think about our journey, and where we're going on our journey. Has, has anybody ever learned anything on a journey? Now, somebody want to tell me something they learned on a journey? Tell the person next to you something you learned on a journey. Okay, who's got one? Either yours or the person next to you, if they gave you permission. What did you learn on a journey? It's always better with somebody else, okay. Very true. Things that look good aren't always the best way to go, okay. Somebody else? Be prepared. Make sure you have enough water. Yeah, or gas. Yeah, I've learned both of those. I'll tell you the one. When we were, um, you all prayed for us, and we had this great time. You sent us off to Tanzania. And it was this big send-off thing, and then we, and we were packing like crazy and trying to get everything into a few suitcases. And we had about nine suitcases, and then some of you remember this story. Where we missed our, our connection in O'Hare, so we ended up going through Switzerland and getting there at 4 in the morning, and then realizing that the nine suitcases we'd packed our lives into actually couldn't get into the little plane, so we had to get it down to four and a half suitcases. So repacking everything, and then, then we got in the airplane, and we flew from Nairobi to Tanzania, and got into Musoma, Tanzania, where we were going to study language. And they said, welcome to Tanzania, Karibu, Tanzania. And they said, but you can't stop here. This is not a port of entry. It's not an international airport. And the pilot said, oh, here's my letter to say that that's the case. And he said, no, that's an old letter. It changed. So we went to immigration, and we had a discussion for three hours about whether we could land there or not. Someplace along there, the pilot turned to me and said, well, welcome to Tanzania. 
And the immigration official said, don't criticize our country because you break the rules. That was pretty much the end of the conversation. Meanwhile, the customs officer was digging through everything that we had brought along, all our underwear and all the stuff that we had brought to, to live. Those four and a half boxes were gone through several times. Meanwhile, we had not brought any water. We had not thought of that. We had not brought any Tanzania shillings because, of course, there weren't any Tanzania shillings. So, and we had a two-and-a-half-year-old and eight-month-old, and, eight and they were thirsty. So I kind of remembered that. So now my kids accuse me of being a little, what would you say, a little uh, politely, what would you say, um, obsessive, thank you, from our social worker, a little obsessive about water. So we have to have, do we have enough water in the car, especially when we're traveling to Tanzania, because at least it used to be you could not get clean water just anywhere. I mean, 17% of Tanzanians have clean water close to them, and, and we, you know, didn't even come to our house. It was, uh, you know, we had to filter it or, or boil it or do some various things, put it on the roof and solar, whatever. But, um, you know, and, and of course, water was a thing because the water would cut off for a while and, and then sometimes it would come back, you know, after some days. And so we had a water tank. So when we were in, a, in Chicago for a couple of years, my, my son, we were kind of in a richer suburb and everybody's like, you know, so he's like second grade, right? And they're like, well, we have a home theater, and the other kids, oh, well, everybody has that. Well, we have a pool. Everybody has that. And he's like, really? But he got them with, we have our own water tank. <laughs> Nobody else had their own water tank. And so um, anyway, so water can be a thing. But I want to ask you, how many, when you said, what do I really need? Water was what you thought of. Okay, Gershom. I did not expect that. Um, so... Uh, so water can be a real need if you, if you don't have it, right? So, um, so let's, let's uh, we're getting to the story here. So last week was Jesus is risen, right? He is risen indeed. And we saw that Jesus is risen, therefore, life, hope, freedom, and meaning and purpose. And then it was Monday morning. By the way, Jesus is still risen, okay? Even however your week went after Easter, Jesus is still risen. And in our looking through uh, Genesis, we saw that the Israelites were on the verge, and they were complaining, and then Pharaoh was going to destroy them. And then the sea opened up, the waters parted, and they went through on dry land. And then the Egyptians went through, and they were destroyed, and they were saved, and it says, And the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians. The people feared Yahweh and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servants. So this is our year of increasing trust. And they had actually seen all these plagues and then that amazing deliverance, and they put their trust in Moses. They were saved from the enemy, and they were saved by their trust in God. And it was so great. And they sang this song, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. I will sing unto the Lord, for he is triumph gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Anybody remember that song? And they, they, uh, they were all excited about this. And then they started going to the promised land, right? Well, yeah, we're going to go three days journey into the wilderness and worship and serve God. And we're on our way to the promised land. So let's pick up the story in uh, front of you. There is a Bible, if you didn't bring your own. Um, so we're in Exodus, 
the end of chapter 15. So, there is the story in, in chapter, in verse 21. So what, what page is it? Anybody who pulled out the Pew Bible, what page are you on? 51, all right. Right at the beginning. We're on our way through here. So 51, chapter 15, verse 22 of Exodus. Um, so, they just sang this song. They had a party. It was an amazing, exciting deliverance. And then... Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Okay, so, three days in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. It means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? They grumbled, they complained. But wait a second. We were just having a party. It was just Easter. We were just delivered. And now, and they just put their trust in Yahweh and in Moses. And three days later, they're complaining and grumbling. And we're all like, oh, those faithless people. Right? Okay, how many have been three days without water? With your kids? Anybody? Konamtu alikwepo bila maji sikutatu? Okay. I get anxious when I don't have water in the car, just in case. These people were a little anxious because they had not drunk anything. And suddenly they had gone from, oh, deliverance, it's happening, we're on the way to the promised land, to we are thirsty. And that is all we can think about. Ever been there? Maybe not exactly that. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. So, he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Okay? So here they are with bitter water after all that time, and the water becomes sweet. So we're looking at what God is teaching them with water and what's it. Not WhatsApp. What's it? What is it? Um, we'll see what that is. So, so God creates water. Remember in Genesis, we started in Genesis, God made the water, and he separated the water from the dry land, right? And then in Exodus, we've seen some stuff God's been doing to show that he is the creator, he is in control of water. So think about it. Any times you remember God doing anything with water in the story so far? He split the Red Sea. He turned the sea into dry land. And then what? Then the Egyptians went in and the water came back. Right? And he drowned all of the army of Egypt. He flooded the earth. That was back in Genesis. Yes. He was in charge of that. Somebody else? Turned the Nile into blood. 
right? And every container as well into blood. Anything else? Plagues the frogs. Yeah, was it because they had too much water? From, I don't know. There was some rain, some hail, right? Anyways, so God is in charge of water. But they kind of forgot about that. They'd seen God do all kinds of water. In fact, they'd just seen God do with this water thing, this particular water feature. And, uh, but they forgot it in three days because they were thirsty. You see, God sometimes gives us some lessons that happen with less. When we have less, we sometimes learn a lesson. Um, another trip story. Uh, some years back, we were... Uh, no, just a couple years back. We were driving with our car, and I don't know if it had bad gas. It's definitely an old car. But uh, it broke down. We were on the way. That the car didn't start, and the kids were all like, no, it's 5 in the morning. Let's just go. I'm like, we should take it to the mechanic. They're like, no, no, let's go. I wasn't sure I wanted to go on the trip anyways. And Anyway, we go, and then we get into Tanzania. Police stop us, and it uh, dies. And for 24 hours, it will not go. So the police helped tow us into town, and, and then we got on Facebook because they had something there. We finally got a hold of some friends, got their phone number, and they actually picked us up and brought us to their house. We had a great time with these old friends who we hadn't seen. We were hoping to see on our way back. And um, Jan gave me a good lesson. She said, yes, anything can happen. And God is still in control. Okay. Well, then there was two more times when this car stopped for 24 hours on that, before we got to Dar es Salaam. Um, so this time, do you remember me sending out a prayer request? We're going to Florida, and we decided to drive, and we have 250,000 miles in the car. Could you all pray for us? Thank you for praying. No car incidents, no accidents, no weather. It was great. So thank you for praying. God gives us different lessons, different times. Sometimes he gives us lessons with less. Sometimes he gives us lessons with more. Um, but God is in control, and he, he walks with us in these things. And sometimes, I don't know if he makes them happen or he just teaches us a lesson when it happens. But life gives us lessons. We can give us negative, we can get, learn the wrong lessons to make us anxious, or we can learn lessons that make us realize God has got this. So let's, let's read on in the story. I'm going to skip this next part because it's so great. I'm going to get to it sometime. Talking about the diseases, but let's look at 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs. No, I'm going to, let me back up and do, the, do that. Then the Lord made a decree and law for them, and there he tested them. That's the end of 25. He said to them, if you listen carefully to the voice of Yahweh your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, now we're looking forward to Sinai, but already they had some things to do. I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh who heals you. Now, I'd love to preach a whole sermon on that. I think I'll get there sometime. Just a, a tidbit for now. God heals us when we obey his commands. Some of that's as simple as clean water and making sure everybody has clean water. And since this is for all of us, we could incur it. We could be, all right, I see somebody nodding back there who's an expert in water. With PhD in that. Um, so we could, how do we get water? So 17% of Tanzanians have clean water that they can get. 
How do we get it to the rest of our brothers and sisters who don't have that? That's a good question. How do we obey? So God is not just about the healings we heard here, like amazing, miraculous, wow, that happened. It's also about public health stuff. And what you all as nurses and doctors and other people who are working, God heals also through the things we do on a regular basis. The food we eat, the water we drink, the people who help us. The and I want to preach about that sometime, but it's not today. So, then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And they camped there near the water. So here's God's, you know, the trip to Florida, 3,250 miles, no problem. Here's the, everything's fine. Here's the lots of water, oasis time. God is also in that time. We need to remember when we're in the oasis time that God is there for us. When God has provided, we need to remember when water is like right here. We need to say thank you. How many of you thank God because you got a drink of water this morning? I did because I was preaching this sermon, but, you know, I had, I had a clue. I thank God for my shower this morning, that it came. It was even hot. Um, we need to thank God for the many things that he gives us. It's easy to forget and take them for granted. So, chapter 16. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Uh-oh, more complaining. Um, so you guys didn't thank God for water this morning, um, but I just want to know, did anybody hear any complaining this week? Do you hear anybody complain? Oh, the guys at the youth retreat heard a little bit of your complaint. Anybody else? You heard somebody complain about something? Uh, now, brave enough to raise your hand. Did you complain about anything this week? I did. Um, so, when I ask a question, is complaining okay or never okay? We're going to look at this a little bit more in depth. But So they complained again. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Oh, there's a wish for you. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Whoa. Things are bad in their eyes. Um, so I want you to keep in mind that... Uh, we can choose to remember God or the good old days. Notice how fast slavery and having to make bricks without straw and all that getting beat up became the good old days. When things were secure, like, yeah, you were locked up. I mean, it's easy for us to remember what God did in the past or to remember all oh, the good old days. You remember when? We had pots of meat and we used to eat. Um, in the present, you can notice the peril or you can notice the presence. God is with them. There's this cloud of glory there with them and they are ignoring that and noticing just, well, you know, we don't have anything to eat. 
now when I don't have anything to eat or my kids don't have anything to eat, they also tend to complain a little bit. And I also tend to complain when I get hungry. Anybody else here tend to get a little complainy when they get hungry? Yeah, okay, okay. That's, some of you are honest, um, and the rest of you, you'll be forgiven for not being honest, I guess. When you look at the future, are you anxious or do you have assurance to say, you know what, God took care of this in the past. When I look at our house situation, I can get anxious about the price of things and this and that, or I can say, you know what, every time we've had housing that's been amazing and provided by God and, and we've seen how God showed up in that, probably he will this time too. We can get anxious or we can say, I've actually had a drink every day of my life. Or I can worry about this time. <clears throat> um, so, Let's see what happens. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down from heaven. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they're to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Remember the thing about knowing Yahweh? You will know that Yahweh brought you out of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was Yahweh when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. You're not complaining against us, but against the Lord. Now, I want you to notice something. This is, is it okay to complain? So, um, I have some bread here. Um, I like whole wheat bread. I like good whole wheat bread. Um, if my wife buys white bread, is it okay for me to tell my wife, I wish you'd buy whole wheat bread? Is that okay? Ooh, we're divided here. Um, I think it's okay to ask her to buy, um, she'll probably say, well, go buy it yourself. Which, no, she won't. She, I, this week I did. Usually she does all the time, so, and usually she buys whole wheat bread. So um, I am grateful, and it's okay to complain to her. Now, is it okay for me, instead of talking to her, to go to you and say, you know, my wife never buys white, whole wheat bread. I wish I had whole wheat. And I like brown rice, not white rice. She's always getting brown. Is that okay? That's not okay, is it? No. So if you have an issue... Go to God and say, you know what? I, I need bread. And I, and I would like whole wheat bread. And, and, and rice, too. A whole brown rice would be great. That's okay. Complain to God. Ask God. In fact, see, this is what's confusing. God will give you what you need. 
God will give you. Let's, let's read on here. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole community, Israelite community looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of Yahweh appearing in the cloud. Yahweh said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, At twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am Yahweh, your God. You heard that before? Yahweh has been showing who he is to the Egyptians and to the Israelites. And now in the things of daily bread, he is showing them who he is. God wants to show you who he is in your daily bread, in gas in your tank, in your tokens for the bus, in the basic things, food and clothing, and maybe some extras, maybe a house, maybe a place to rent. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost, uh, frosted flakes, I guess, um, maybe not, um, were on the ground, appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is that? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the owner, omer, he who had gathered much did not have too much. He who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. And this is hundreds of thousands of people. Millions maybe. And they all had frosted flakes for breakfast. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Anybody, why, why would you keep it till morning? Because he's just a little anxious about is there going to be dew tomorrow? Because I didn't like that being hungry thing. I'd be tempted myself. Each morning everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what Yahweh commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to Yahweh. So bake what you want to bake, and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it till morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you're to gather it, but on the seventh day of the Sabbath, there will not be any. So God was taking a day off. He said, I'm not doing manna on the seventh day. So you all don't take a rest too. We're all, we're all taking a rest. Just bake a little extra Friday, and we'll have enough for Saturday. Nevertheless, some of the people went on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone's to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one's to go out so the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed, and it tasted like wafers made with honey. 
See, I told you it was Frosted Flakes. It wasn't just plain old stuff. It tasted like honey. It was good stuff. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. So that omer had good preservatives because it stayed for generations. Um, so Moses said to Aaron, take a jar, put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to keep for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna in front of the testimony that it might be kept. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. And Omer is one-tenth of an ephah. So that last verse I've always wanted to preach on. Um, an Omer is one-tenth of an ephah. Amen. Amen. So one thing it does tell us is who wrote this book. So Moses probably wrote some of it because it's old stuff about omers, and somebody must have updated it at some point and said, well, you know what a omer is? It's one-tenth of an ephah. And you can probably look in your notes and figure out how many kilos or pounds that is, or liters, quarts. Um, it's about a quart. So it does give us a little clue that this book has been written by somebody with some editing at some point, and that's okay. The Holy Spirit was involved with every part of the process. Now, back to the main point, we're supposed to remember what happened so that years later they could remember. And God was teaching them something in this daily thing so that when they got to the land and they were digging and hoeing and weeding and getting harvests, they would remember this is also God's provision for us. I don't get manna these days. I don't know if you do. But um, God does provide for me. He provides in, well, he provides because you all gave an offering. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And, and God has provided for our church. The other staff and the other mission stuff and the other benevolence and, and helping out other ministries like Transform. Because you guys give from what God gave you. And thanks to Cherry, who gets paid a little bit to keep track of all that, we know exactly where it came and where it went. God amply supplies for us through some normal means of having jobs, making money. But it's from God. We'll see that in Deuteronomy 8 a little bit later. The point is God gives us daily bread. And doesn't Jesus ask us to pray for that? Our Father who art in heaven, he says, give us today our daily bread. He says our, we should include not just my daily bread, but all of us, people who are hungry, people who are thirsty elsewhere, who might not have in the city, in other countries, who might be missing some things, um, we need to pray for them. And notice that God wants us to depend on him daily. We want independence, right? Have you ever heard any, had anybody have a financial dependent seminar? This is a financial dependent seminar that God is giving to the Israelites. He's teaching them how to have financial dependence on him daily. We want financial independence. I want to save for not only next week, but a rainy day, but my retirement, but my inheritance, but, right? 
I'm not saying that God can use that ordinary means, but it's easy for us then to switch to, well, you know, now I have some savings, so, and suddenly our dependence and our trust shifts a little bit. You know, when we're desperate, when we needed that job, we prayed and asked God, and he gave us the job, and then after a while we're like, you know, this job, and we start complaining, and we start, we start depending on our job, we start depending on our savings, we start depending on things other than God. But he gives us life lessons to remind us to depend. We don't usually like those lessons. Well, he, sometimes he blesses us with bread, and when you're first a Christian, it seems like he gives you raisin bread every day. Everything's you, you pray for this thing, you prayed for somebody, and they got healed, and wow. And then later on, maybe it takes 40 days without bread. Maybe God gives you a stone. Well, we'll get to that. But um, I, I asked Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike, are you in the back translating into Swahili? Could you come, come up here? Um, I asked Pastor Mike if he would give us a story because I thought most of us, like me, might have had one time when we were hiking we needed some water or um, we were... Uh, but I thought some of us have uh, had a few more opportunities to learn about God teaching us with... So Pastor Mike... Yeah, I, I asked him if he might have a story about this. He said he did. I was speaking Swahili. Okay, I'll, I'll try to translate, well, unless Justin. We'll try. We'll, we'll, we'll see how long we last. Okay. I want to give a testimony about one time in my life when, when I lived without water, without bread or water. I had Come up here, this is Congolese. <laughs> He said that it was in 1996. He said that it was in 1996. October 1996. It was the beginning of the war in Congo. And at that time he was in a city called Goma. Goma. And when the war started, he couldn't, he couldn't, float, he couldn't run. Because when the war started, he was just have a baby two weeks ago. And the leg was swelling. He didn't have a so he can run and fled away. Everybody ran away, fled away, but them they couldn't go. And it was a difficult time for them. And at that time they couldn't get water because water couldn't come through the pipes. And those who know Goma in Congo is that Siri doesn't have water in general. Even electricity is hard to get it. When the war started, 
mean that water electricity and food weren't there na tulisumbuka sana tulianza kujiuza tutaishi namna gani and we suffered and we were asking ourselves how are we going to live hatungeweza kutoka nje ya nyumba nje ya nyumba sababu ilikuwa ni hatari you couldn't go outside because it was uh, danger for you to go outside na tulibaki tunda na nyumba we were stuck inside the na house na tukua na maji atukua na chakula kutosha we in the house we didn't have water and didn't have enough food na kisha sawa juma moja hivi chakula yetu kaisha yote and after one week staying in the house without going outside sasa, the, the, the food we had were finished na sasa tukaanza kusikia njaa kabisa and we start feeling really really hungry mzito na mgumu it was, a, it was a difficult time and i saw in my life watu ngeenda nje nje haikuwa 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 au salama you couldn't go out because outside it was dangerous there wasn't no ulipasha kubaki tu ndani ya nyumba was supposed to stuck inside your home tulianza kuulia na kuomba Mungu atusaidie sababu labda tulifanya uamuzi mbaya kubaki ndani ya mji and we were crying and praying and we were murmuring to ourselves why we didn't run why we decided to stay inside our house lakini Mungu wetu ni Mungu wa rehema but we believe that our god is god eh, of kisha majuma sawa matatu hivi after 3 weeks emuji ilianza sawa kurudia na hewa kidogo after 3 weeks the city start having some kind of little kind of peace but it wasn't really a peace na sisi tulikuwa na bahati mkubwa sana but other we had a, we were lucky kwa sababu tumetikuwa na jirani mmoja mama yetu mama mmoja pembeni yetu we had jirani. a neighbor one lady she was our neighbor na yeye watoto wake wawili walikuwa waskari ndani ya ile makundi and, ya waasi and our neighbor that lady who was our neighbor she has two sons who were part of the military na wale wa, watoto sasa wakaanza kuleta chakula kwa ile mama and those uh, soldiers start bringing food na vinywaji mafuta na vitu mingi sana and drink and oil and i think they were looting that yeah walikuwa wanichukua walitusikia walikuwa wanakamata ndani ya ya mama they weren't buying so they will loot somewhere and bring to the room yeah sasa walikuwa wanatia ule mama na ule mama alikuwa anatupatia na ule mama alikuwa anatupatia kwa hiyo chakula na hiyo vitu alikuwa anapewa na wale watoto wake and 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 the mother we when she gets the food from those sons who are soldier she will she will distribute to us she will give to them too and as a time we felt like we were healed mean that happened for three months na ingine nafasi nyingine ya nchi for three months the city was cut out from the outside and other neighbors na kukua soko kukua maduka inafunguka ile wakati there wasn't no market or any store that were, or shop that was open na kweli tuliona mkono wa Mungu kwa ile wakati but we saw the hand of god at that time na Mungu asifiwe kabisa and we thank god amen. for that amen amen i just thought it would be helpful to hear i think we could hear a testimony from each of you about some way that god has provided for you But um, sometimes we don't hear testimonies of uh, of some of our Congolese friends and others who who have gone through some really difficult things. And um, we need to be caring for each other and praying for our daily bread, including those who are still in Congo or still in the refugee camps or still other places that are we have Christian brothers and sisters who are other places. 
and we need to be caring for them. And we need to be depending on God in whatever situation we're in. I don't know what you prayed for that you need. I'm expecting there's something you really need, that you need God, and maybe it's not physical. Maybe it's you need real friends. Maybe it's you need God to show up in some other way that you need God to do for you. But I want to, just the basic practical things, we need to depend on God for everything, for water and for food and for life. Because we get it day by day and moment by moment from God. And when we do, God invites us to be thankful. And he invites us to worship and rest. You know, rest and worship is a privilege. Isn't it a privilege to rest and to worship? Ben says, amen, to rest. Um, It's a privilege. But yet God has to command it because we want to be in charge. We want to make sure that things get done. But you know what? When you're working seven days a week, God stopped. God only works six days a week. (laughs) I mean, there's a sense in which if you're out on your own doing your thing, trying to make things happen, you're just grinding it out. We need God to do stuff. And when he stopped working and said, take a rest, just go ahead, take a rest. Because it's not going to get any farther by yourself. Um, God gives provision to us, yes, through ordinary means, and maybe even from soldiers who you don't know where that came from. But um, God is a good God. He's a good Father. And I know that I could, I have heard testimonies from many of you of ways God has provided for you in practical things, ways God has healed you in practical ways. And I could give you lots more stories from my own life about ways God has healed us. And ways, good thing is we had some things so our kids could figure out that it was God that was providing for them. This is actually kind of the infancy for the Israelites. They're saved, they're delivered, and now they're learning. And you notice that God wasn't hard on them these times? This is, I mean, one commentator said this was kind of adolescence where they were complaining, but I think it was actually another one said more, more infancy because they cried and God gave them water. They cried and God gave them food. They cried and God gave them water again. We didn't read that part. But uh, the next thing, they were thirsty for water. They cried out to God, and, and he struck the rock. Moses struck the rock as instructed by God, and they got water again. So um, God will give you all your need. That's biblical. God said he would give you what you need. And, and this is a story for us to remember that God is providing. What you have, God gave you. What you need tomorrow, God's going to give you. If it's tuition, if it's fees, if it's money, if it's friends, whatever it is, God is going to provide for you. Maybe not in the way or the time that you want. Maybe you'd prefer to drink the first day instead of the third day. But God will provide, and he'll teach you the lessons that you need on the way, so that you can know. Um, So God's life lessons. 
give us a chance in daily life, in typical stuff. But you have to notice. You have to reflect on it. You have to say, what, what, what was God up to? God will give you all you need, so trust Him. Instead of complaining to others about whatever. If you have issues with uh, economics, politics, government leaders, you could, you could not complain to somebody else about it. You could not put it on Facebook. You could actually pray about it. You could pray about, you know, if your pastor's got problems, just pray about it. You can also talk to me, but uh, preferably not to one another. Well, no. Please talk to me. Talk to the person you've got problems with and talk to God about it. Request to God. There's all these psalms of lament. That, but they're psalms of lament. They're set up like a, a coming before the judge and saying, I think you're in charge of everything. Please take care of this. There are psalms of celebration about all that God has done. So there's nothing wrong with reading those psalms, and there's nothing wrong with writing some more. So this week, actually, I, I was reminded a couple different ways that I need to be more thankful and less anxious, and that I'm becoming more of an anxious person, more of a negative person, and less of a thankful, grateful, joyful person. And I realized I need to change in this. And then... And then a couple different ways God talked to me in one morning about those things. And then on my way to work, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm preaching about this, aren't I? Um, but I actually, had actually that morning gotten up and, and resurrected a, or started a new list. Um, I call it my Eucharisteo list, which just means thanks. In, in, uh, and it's just a very simple thing. We used to have a song, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. It's amazing when you just sit down with your pen or your computer. For me, I was just typing up all the things God has done. And, you know, it makes me a little less anxious when I start going, oh, yeah, he did this and this and this, and, you know, I need housing? Well, what about that time, that time, that time, that time, and that time? And what about right now? And what about how nice this? And all the things that if you start... Just, this is real practical. I have a journal where I also write down requests and other things that I want God to do, but I have another list sometimes in there, sometimes separate, that just is thanks. Because it's easy to forget. Isn't it? God gave it to me, and oh yeah, I, oh, I ate. I guess I ate today, yeah. But I, I, didn't, I didn't say thanks for it, necessarily. <clears throat> say it, write it, sing it. Um, learn lessons from life, Psalm 95, let me just read that quick. Um, and it comes up again in Hebrews 3. But um, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. And the mountain peaks belong to see him. The sea is his. All the water is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. 
For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, there are people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So they missed out on the rest because they got stuck. We'll see that later. But they got stuck in this complaining thing. And they could have had the promised land, but they wanted to complain about how that could never happen. A, a story for a different day. We won't go to Hebrews 3 where God uses but, but where it's brought up again. And he says, today, we're not under that anger. He actually switches it a little bit. We're in the time of the resurrection. But let's not harden our hearts and be ungrateful today. So grumbling or gratitude. So this, by the way, is the Minnesota State photograph. I didn't know that until I was at Warren's house and saw the article. And the, this was 1920, and uh, it was taking a picture, and then his, his daughter colored it, made it look like a painting, and it sold millions. And so finally, Minnesota, when it became public domain, decided to make it a photograph. And this, this uh, so I want, to, I want you to look at that picture. If that's what you had, if that's all you had, what's in front of you there? Would you be going, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? <laughs> or would you be saying, thank you, Lord? This guy looks like he's probably saying thank you, but um, if you only got one loaf of bread and some soup, are you going to be uh, wishing for something else? Are you going to be grateful? The, the, the title of it is Grace. That's actually what the... Uh, because it's all about grace. Complain, which really is about control, isn't it? When I complain, it's really because I want to be in control. When I get anxious about my car trip, it's because I want to make sure that everything happens right and I... But am I really in control? I like the illusion of control. But I'm not. God's the creator. He's got it all anyway. I can complain and, be in, and try to be in control. Or I can celebrate and be content. And I can realize it's all grace. Next week, we're going to talk some more about this. We're going to talk about how this is picked up in the New Testament and some other ways. But I just want you to recognize today, God wants to provide what you need. James says something like, you have not because you ask not. You didn't ask, so you didn't get it. God is a good God. He's a good father, good mother. And he, and he wants to give you what you need. He wants to, you to know who he is by receiving what you need. And sometimes, like a good father, he may not just give it to you right away. As you grow up a little bit, there might be some times when he says, well, Let's do a few chores for that. Or let's, let's wait a bit. Let's have dessert later. Sometimes a good father can teach us how to uh, depend in some different ways. But God wants to give you what you need. Let's pray. Lord, you know what we need. Now I'd invite you to pray. Ask God for that thing that you said this is what I need. Can I give you a minute? Just ask God yourself, would you please give me 
what it is you said you needed or wanted at the beginning. Lord, I pray that you would help us to turn to you. Help us not to complain to other people or depend on ourselves or be self-centered, but help us to turn to you and give you the opportunity to meet our needs. Help us to depend upon your gracious goodness to give us daily what we need. And then help us, Lord, to be grateful, to thank you, to be content, to write it, sing it, say it, even tell other people, you know how good God was to me this morning? God, thank you for the goodness of being together here this morning as your people. Thank you for the good things you gave us this week. Thank you for water and food, friends and family, and so much more. We are grateful. Please make us more grateful. Please teach us the lessons we need to learn from you. And we give you permission to lead us in whatever path it takes to learn our lessons. If that's a thirsty desert, or if that's an oasis, if that's spring or snow, we want to thank you for what you give us. Amen. I just encourage you this week to do two things. Ask God for what you need. Thank him for what you get. And then there's a third thing that would go along with that. Don't complain. In fact, the complaining thing might be the easiest way to remember. When you start complaining or you're tempted to complain, say, you know what? Maybe I'll just talk to God about that. Or maybe there's something I could be thankful about. I, I think for myself, that would trigger that action pretty often if every time I was going to complain, I actually was thankful or asked God for something instead. I'm going to bless you. Give a benediction so you can go and pick up your kids if you want to, but if you want to sing for a bit, you're welcome to do that as well. So Lord, thank you. And now may you be blessed in the name of the Father who created everything, the Son who gave everything, including himself, and the Spirit who is with you and guiding you and providing. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, be blessed and be a blessing this week. Amen.